With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Your source for Big Ten Talk. It's Off Tackle Empire. Welcome to Indiana Week here on Off Tackle Empire. Uh, Once again, Steve Brown. Woohoo! Rolling out in the frigid north. It's Andrew Kraszewski again. Uh, this is the fourth in a row that we've been uh, reeling off here. Starting to starting to get a little hazy here. I think I've projected most of the teams that we're talking about to both beat and lose to all the other teams. So don't hold us to these predictions. Um, exactly. The only thing that we've been able to say definitively is that none of the teams that finish near the bottom are going to beat Ohio State. Um, which... Bold takes on this podcast, ladies and gentlemen. We don't hold back. If we got an opinion, we're going to let you know about it. Ohio State probably going to be favored to beat both Illinois, Maryland, and Minnesota next season. Can you believe it? Yeah, we said it. All right. But the question is, how close is Ohio State going to get to losing to Indiana without actually doing it? Um, if it's possible to be behind by two scores in quadruple overtime and still lose the game. I don't think that's possible, but if it's possible, Indiana will find a way to do it, man. This is a program that's just breaching new barriers in terms of how to rip the still-beating-heart Temple of Doom style out of their fan base's collective chest cavity. Every year, it's like this, where they've got a few games that could have been iconic moments that just... They just couldn't get it done. So, you know, that, that being said, Indiana's in kind of a strange position right now because if you wind the clock back a year and change before Kevin Wilson has shown the door, it feels like the program's in a really good spot. They had just, I mean, they had lost the pinstripe bowl to Duke, but it felt like they should have won. It felt like they were in a good position. All yeah, it the, felt like that kick went through the it uprights. It felt like that kick kind of went through the uprights if you looked at it closely enough. All the arrows seem to be pointing in the right direction, but then Wilson is escorted from the building. Again, it's a little bit of a theme that we've got going here. Um, and Tom Allen takes over. Really, last year, I thought they had a, had a team well-positioned to do substantial things, and substantial things may be relative for a program like Indiana, because I was thinking like seven or eight wins. So but, if you look at what happened here to Indiana, they had that game where they kept it real close with Ohio State until just the dam broke late in the game, the Superior Athletes won. They beat what turned out to be a decent Virginia team, uh, had a game canceled against uh, Florida International due to Hurricane, took a beating against Penn State, lost in overtime to Michigan, lost by eight to Michigan State. So they're, they're, they're a team that's clearly almost there. Yeah. And then they go and lose to Maryland. Yeah, and looking at a schedule on paper, you can almost put together a narrative, even if I didn't remember a lot of these games, which for whatever reason, I caught a lot of Indiana's season last year. And by the time they got to that Maryland game, it just felt like they'd been beaten down by it because they had a relatively close loss to Michigan State that was in dispute until the end. They had the overtime loss to Michigan where, man, how close, like we said, can they come to beating Michigan without actually doing it? They got roughed up by Penn State. The score against Ohio State, as you mentioned, does not really represent how competitive that game was for a lot of it. So by the time you get to the end of October and you get into the winnable games on your schedule, um, not that Wisconsin is winnable, but outside of Wisconsin from the last week of October forward, they had 
Maryland, Illinois, and Purdue all on the road, as well as Rutgers at home, and again, excluding Wisconsin. They're only able to go 2-2 two and two in those games when really they should have beaten Maryland, probably should have beaten Purdue. That's a one-score game. That was a back-and-forth. Although, if I remember correctly, that was a game that both teams needed to win uh, for bowl yes, eligibility. And so Purdue certainly is not going to be any less motivated because that's a rivalry for them, too. Um, but yeah, man, it really, because of the way the schedule was arranged, it really did feel like IU kind of got the short end of the stick last year. But now there's a big question for me, at least, about where they go from here. Because last year felt like a team that they had been building towards for a while. Other than the instability at quarterback, they had a lot of experience across the board, especially on defense, man. They had a ton of seniors on defense, guys who had played for multiple years, started a lot of games, piled up a lot of stats. A lot of those guys are gone now. Tom Allen's a defensive coach. He's got a lot of holes to patch on the defensive side of the ball if this team is going to avoid falling off a cliff. Yeah, um, this is one of those things that, since literally everything is like Illinois to me, um, where uh, John Gross didn't do too badly in his final season, but that had to be the season. That was set up by the roster to be the season, and they didn't make the postseason, so he was out. In this case, though, it was the coach's first. Season. It was the coach's first yes. season, <laughs> and it wasn't. And it wasn't like a guy that they selected and hired in a traditional process. This was a very unconventional transition of power. So as a result, you know, then you had a team that was very up and down. Uh, again, nearly knocked off Michigan. Uh, then went in and really nearly lost to Illinois. The final margin there provided by a late pick six. Then just opened up a can on Rutgers, forty-one to nothing. And that's, and that's the flip side of the losing to Maryland coin, is that there apparently was so much built-up rage over how the season had gone that they put a beating on a team that, on paper, in a lot of ways, was really about their equal. Yeah. We've recapped this team a whole lot. Uh, Indiana fans, we love you, so we're going to stop. Offensively, what are we looking at? So you would have thought with Richard Lego graduating that Peyton Ramsey would be the obvious choice at quarterback, but they fairly recently received the commitment of transfer quarterback Brandon Dawkins, formerly, formerly of Arizona, yeah, before he lost his job to a series of guys. So he's coming in now. Uh, he operates this same kind, he's operated this sort of, you know, open tempo-based spread attack. That yeah, under offensive yeah. coordinator Rob Smith, who is now the coach at Illinois, and... Uh, I really thought we were getting this dude. All right, this is just now coming to my attention. <laughs> never, hey, look, if there's a lesson out of this, it's that you, you will never be surprised by the number and diversity and frequency of ways in which you can disappoint an Illinois fan, even without meaning to. I've, I had no idea Dawkins was a candidate to go to Illinois. I didn't know that Steve expected him to. I just casually mentioned something about two entirely different programs and it ties into the Illinois web of misery. Which yeah, someday, look at that. Look at someday that. we're going to have to do a flowchart of that and explore all the ways. Well, we got a lot of walls in this place that we can just tape <laughs> things to and draw lines between. Oh but seriously, God. if you go back and read my, my spring position piece from quarterbacks, at one point I say, our situation's so messed up that I kind of expect a guy that hasn't even announced he's transferring to Illinois to start. I said I expected Brandon Dawkins to start our first game. And now you know we've lost cabin pressure because he, he just expressed the indication that he believes any of us have read the articles, including me, his co-host. It, it, that's not how we do business here at Off Tackle Empire. So, <laughs> all right. So the quarterback thing, like I said, is kind of up in the air. Indiana 
closed their spring game to the public because they had to move it indoors because of inclement weather. So there are media reports. As opposed to the other type of weather that there's been in the Midwest this spring. Within a thousand miles of here, yeah. So uh, there are probably media reports of that spring practice thing. I could not be arsed to read them. So I have no idea if either of those guys is found. I don't even know if Dawkins is on campus yet. Um, But outside of him, they should be good at running back with um, Morgan Ellison and Cole Guest. Um, The offensive line is decent, nothing remarkable. Coy Cronk is, I think, a true sophomore or true... He'll be a true junior, I think, and he's their best player with the best name, maybe in the conference, because he's, I mean, he's going to get... He's Coy, and he's going to get Cronk. So two (laughs) two very conflicting elements in his name. So the offensive line in the running game should be okay. Nobody in that group, however, that's going to really make you think you're looking at Tevin Coleman or Jason Spriggs or Dan Feeney. They just don't have that caliber of talent yet a relatively young group though and they could still get there it's always possible this offense though i think is struggling with identity um because uh, kevin wilson's gone and they're reforming it into some other image but it's not entirely clear what the uh what the fundamental tenets are and they're gonna last year they still had some times where they went up tempo and in fact when lego was running it there were times when they were as fast as they've ever been even like back to the nate sudfeld um cam kaufman days when they were going 100 miles an hour but um they're i think more than a scheme standpoint they're really going to struggle from a personnel perspective like we mentioned they've still got the quarterback battle and at wide receiver they're going to be relying on some young guys to step forward now historically indiana has not had a problem doing that but Simi Cobbs went pro, and Taysir Mack, a guy who was a promising freshman for them last year, transferred um, to Pitt. So they're going to be relying on Luke Timian, who's really more of a slot possession, little ninja type of guy. And then a couple of guys who were true freshmen last year, um, Fry Fogel and Filior, which is a mouthful to say correctly without stumbling over it. So those are the two guys that I actually, I thought that you were just like clearing your throat or something just then. I could just be making names up and they'd be easier to get over than those two, but that's what they're looking at. It, it's not clear what this passing game is going to be, as much because they don't know who the major figures are going to be um, as from a schematic standpoint. So offensively, a lot of questions. Not nearly as many as on the defense, though. At least you know on offense you've got Morgan Allison. Now, do you happen to know if they have offered Florida wide receiver making love Petit Fard? <laughs> who is, in fact, a number one seed in the name of the year competition, which, by the way, go there and vote for that. Although, by the time this airs, it'll probably be over. Yeah, vote early, vote often, vote late, whatever. This is how we do it in the Big Ten. Chicago's our spiritual home, you know that. Uh, so, looking then at the defensive side of the ball, this was, I mean, Indiana was pretty good here in a lot of ways last year, but as we mentioned at the top, they were playing a ton of seniors. Um, I never want to go by a number of, you know, quote, starters lost because some guys will be hurt, some guys will rotate so heavily that it doesn't matter who starts. But the group of guys that Indiana was sending out at all three levels of the defense were guys who played a ton for Indiana. They lose three starters from the defensive line, two starting linebackers, three starters from the secondary. No matter how you slice it or what scheme you want to say they were in on whatever down, it's a lot of players going out the door all at once. Maybe the guys behind them are up to the task, but it's hard to imagine that all of them will be as good as their predecessors were right away. It's just it's, it's a bridge too far for a non-Bama, non-Ohio State type of program. Yeah, and let's just say this for T. Gray Scales, one of the, I mean, just one of the best uh, linebackers that I've seen in 
in a while that you probably aren't thinking about all the time. Um, yeah, T. Gray Scales is going to go down as one of the more underrated Big Ten players of this era. Which tends to be true of Indiana defensive players in general. Although, Richard Fant, I did think, maybe got a little more credit than he deserved because of his high pass breakup numbers. To an extent, if you have a lot of pass breakups, nobody's afraid to throw it at you, homie. But that being said, he should be an NFL player as well. Um, I don't know, looking across the rest of the defense, a couple of those linemen maybe. Um, I don't know if Covington is necessarily an NFL linebacker, but a lot of guys who probably should have gotten a little more all-conference hype than they did through the course of their careers, but didn't by dint of playing for Indiana, where, again, the, uh, the assumption is still, oh, they don't play defense. I remember that time that Namdi Asamoa spent like all those years in Oakland with nobody ever throwing at him because they were just terrified of him? Yeah. And then he went to Philadelphia and immediately sucked? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not sure what that has to do with this, but... Uh, Anyway, I was going to say, I have no idea what the connection is, but all right. No, no, no. I, I was not in any way attempting to bring that back. But uh, recruiting class is, uh, mm, I mean... It's all three stars. So yeah. when you look at the group, you can basically conclude by <laughs> looking at the depth chart in front of them how likely a guy is to play. Beyond that, it's not like there's any obvious immediate impact guy here. We mentioned to you earlier... You're not likely to see, there's no need for him to play a true freshman on the offensive line. There's no real need for him to mix another guy in at running back. Um, probably not going to play their quarterback commit either. So on offense, wide receiver is pretty much the only spot where you're likely to see a guy right away. They do need a new kicker as Griffin Oaks, and in his ninth year of eligibility, is now gone. Um, outside of that, though, it's you can pretty much just, anybody who's got linebacker or defensive line, or safety next to their name, has a pretty good shot of getting in right away. You don't think that they're going to have uh, one of these incoming guys take snaps at quarterback? I mean, because one, I'm very, very excited to see action on a TV broadcast from uh, quarterback Michael Penix Jr. Not, not once the season starts. He just got a great skill set, that's all I'm saying. When you look at their schedule, what do you see as opportunities for Tom Allen to prove that he can, you know, he can keep Indiana... <laughs> just below the hump. Um, win that opening game at FIU. That's a road game in Florida. Um, you should have a talent edge there, but FIU is one of those second-tier Florida schools that's grabbed up a number of former up-and-coming coaches recently. I think Butch Davis. Butch da- yeah, Butch Davis, I was just um, going to say. <clears throat> so he's got some chops. Win that opening game. You've then got Virginia at home. Um I don't know exactly what's making Virginia last year. I think you won at their place last year, did you not? So. Oh, Quinn Blanding is gone on that uh, secondary. No, they lose both of their safeties, uh, which were which were very large components of that team. So honestly, that's a game that you should be able to win. But if you lose, I don't think anyone's going to look at it and say, "Well, that's an unacceptable loss." Because um, with Bronco Bronco Mendenhall here, they they kind of showed enough in the tail end of last season that it seems people have accepted he's going to be okay there. Um, so if you lose to Virginia, that's not the end of the world. But win that game uh, at the beginning of the season, beat Ball State. Just just beat them, okay? Don't, don't do this this Big Ten thing and, and lose to a MAC team that you have no business losing to. Okay? Pass it to the beat man, and boom goes the dynamite. Um, so opening up the Big Ten slate against Michigan State, they're, they're definitely going to be underdogs in that one. But they go on the road at Rutgers. Should That's a game I would think that they should win. It's tougher to say. Um, Rutgers really made a little bit more in the way of strides last year than most people are giving them credit for, I think. That said, I don't think they're an obvious or strong team. Um, 
you know, a team that you expect to win most of these toss-up games. There, there are none. The ones that we've covered so far, a lot of them could beat each other. There's not enough distance between them for me to say that they should or shouldn't win. If well, you're going to have a good season, you've got to have that game. Because then, So look at where that Rutgers game falls on the schedule. Okay, you've got the three non-conference games to open it. You have Michigan State at home. And then after that Rutgers game at the end of September, you go to Ohio State. Um, which again, you'll you'll probably make them. You'll probably put the fear of God in them, and then they'll win anyway. Um, you play Iowa and Penn State both at home, which are not the types of teams that a young, shallow defense is likely to match up well against. Uh, and then you go to Minnesota, which should be a uh, that's another manageable game. So you've got that stretch of six conference games where, really on paper, you're only going to be given much of a shot in two of them. They're both going to be on the road. If you want to get to a bowl, I think you got to have at least one of those road games. Because even if you go 3-0 and in the conference, that means that down the stretch, if you've only got one of those wins in there, you got to beat Maryland and you got to beat Purdue because you're not going to Michigan and winning. That's just not how this story goes for Indiana, I'm sorry to say. Well, it's not necessarily that's not how it goes. It's just that you've learned through a lot of trial and error that you should not believe that that might be possible. Because even though it might be, if you believe in it, You'll get so close, only for it to blow it all up. Uh, the reason that I say Rutgers is a game that they should win is because of the result last year and the fact that that Indiana's defense can't possibly regress enough for Rutgers to carve them up. And we'll get into Rutgers' issue with its offense uh, later, but if you're Indiana, you kind of want to maintain a position above somebody. Yes, because <laughs> if you lose that Rutgers game... There's a, there's a very good chance that Indiana is the very worst team in the division. Um, m- maybe you're wrestling with Maryland there, depending on how they rebound from their quarterback apocalypse last year. But honestly, I think Maryland's a half step above Indiana right now, looking at the entire roster. The only one that you have a reasonable argument as better than is Rutgers. So if you want to keep that going, if you want to maintain that hilarious feud, blood feud between the two team logs, uh, win that game too. The In the first you know, the first third to half of the season, you got three games that you must win if you want this to be a successful season. FIU, Ball State, Rutgers. Can't lose any of those and still have any chance to a good season. I'd say good, by the way, means a bowl. I see this as a six-win team um, at yeah. the very best. Yeah, eight, eight wins for Indiana would basically mean winning all the toss-ups, right? It would probably mean going 3-0 and in the non-conference. It would mean... Beating Rutgers, it would mean beating Minnesota, it would mean beating Maryland, it would mean beating Purdue, and it would mean getting another one in there from maybe Iowa, maybe Michigan State. It would mean sweeping all the games that you should be in and then winning a game that you're not supposed to win. And of these teams that we're previewing in the you know, the early part of Big Ten 2018, we know that some of them are gonna end up being worse than than our predictions here. Sure, and those teams are probably going to be Illinois. Other than Illinois, we've predicted pretty much everybody as having a reasonable path to a bowl game here. We know that that's not the case because, you know, teams will underperform, key guys will get hurt. Um, we'll, we'll just have forgotten exactly how bad some of these teams were last year. We know that. That's why we do this, so that we can be proven hilariously wrong later for your amusement. We do it for you. Your source for Big Ten talk. It's off tackle. Empire!